Talking Townswomen. This is the first podcast of Townswomen's Guild, otherwise known as TG. For those of you who don't know about Townswomen's Guild, we're a female membership organisation with groups known as guilds, which meet across the UK. We're very proud of our heritage. We were formed directly from the suffrage movement after all women had the vote in 1929. And we can honestly say that no men were involved in our formation, something I'm very proud of. I'm Penny Ryan, I'm the National Chair. With me today are... I'm Sarah Trias and I'm the National Recruitment Officer. I'm Marilyn Lawton and I'm the National Treasurer. I'm Helena Dixon, I work alongside TG with their marketing. Thank you. So we're in for an interesting discussion this afternoon about Christmas. We're going to talk about our experiences of Christmas, what we can do for Christmas presents, and we're going to talk about how we are, as an organisation, celebrating Christmas. We hope you'll find something of interest. Usually on Christmas Day we go to our son's house who lives near us and we have a Christmas lunch and then on Boxing Day we do it all again at our house but this year it's going to be completely different. This year in December we're going to Australia to have a barbie on the beach on Christmas Day. It's going to be so different. That sounds great. Real getaway for. What about you, Sarah? What's your normal Christmas like? Uh, Christmas Eve, all the family, and then Christmas Day, the kids can go to their partners' houses because it stops all the arguments there. Uh, but I generally have John's mother and brother. But that will not be happening this year. We're going to Tamworth. That sounds mm-hmm. interesting. Another uh, sunny Christmas celebration. Could be a bit windy down there. It does get very windy in Tamworth. <laughs> Whichever way you pronounce it. <laughs> I'm actually rather stupidly volunteered to uh, have the, the family to me on Boxing Day this year. My <laughs> daughter and her partner are coming for Christmas Day itself and uh, I shall cook a Christmas dinner with a vegetarian twist to it. And then on Boxing Day it's as many as turn up really. So I need a big turkey so I can feed people with cold cuts mm. on Boxing Day. <laughs> the extras. That sounds great. <laughs> yes, the extras. But it's, it's different now from when I was a child. When I was a child, everything centred around church. And we'd have a crib service on Christmas Eve and then go to Midnight Mass, those of us that were old. And then on Christmas morning, we would open stockings between the 7 o'clock service nine o'clock service not that we went to the services but my father had to run them so he would come home stagger home at about one o'clock carve the turkey eat the turkey and then fall down (laughs) in a dazed haze and we weren't allowed to interrupt him until after the queen's speech 
This meant that we couldn't open presents until about 3.30 on Christmas Day. Then the family ritual was for one person at a time to open a present. Now, I am one of five children, and we always had extras around the house for Christmas. So you can imagine one person opening a present at a time could take three or four hours, um, and then it would be followed by tea. What about you? Did you have a present ritual? Well, on Christmas Day, we'd open our presents with my mum and dad. This is when, when I was small, and my brother, Terry. And then we'd have a, a lunch. Now, my dad, he was a lorry driver, and he used to go all over, all over the country. And he used to bring back, usually, a chicken. We, I mean, we didn't have turkey in those days. We usually had a chicken, and he'd been a cook in the army. So he knew all about preparing this chicken. And then we'd have the normal roast potatoes. The best thing, as far as I'm concerned, was the following day, Boxing Day, uh, my family used to all meet at my grandma and granddad's. So my, there'd be my aunties and their husbands and my cousin, and we'd all meet there, and we'd have a chicken sandwiches, the leftovers, and these lovely uh, tarts that my grandma made. And we had a really lovely time. Very, very simple. You know, it's, it was only a small house, so how we all fitted in this front room, I've no idea, but we did. And then uh, my aunt and uncle who live at the other side of Rotherham, uh, they couldn't get home, there were no buses, so they used to stay at my grandma and granddad. And then the men used to go down to the pub. And my uncle always got into bother because he'd had a drink and couldn't drive their car home. So I've no idea how they got home, but we just had to walk down the road 10 minutes and we were back at our house. So that was lovely. But a really traditional Christmas for us. We loved it. That sounds great. It was. Did did you have a Christmas family tradition? Matching pyjamas on Christmas Eve. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> we used to get... My father was a very strict man, and he was, he was an army man, but Christmas, that's when his inner child used to come out. And he used to keep us up till midnight, because one minute past midnight, you get to open one present. <laughs> now, you, you wouldn't... <laughs> for such a staunch man, you wouldn't believe it, but one minute past midnight, you got to open one present. And you all had matching PJs on. When we were kids, you used to get a little glass of shandy or Advocar. Because mm -hmm. that's what they had in those yeah. days. <laughs> Might have got a martini if you were lucky. And then as we got older and used to spend time with my dad, he used to open a bottle of Prosecco at midnight. Oh, great. But <laughs> always, midnight, open a present. As long as you're all in your matching gym jams, then that was it. Were you allowed to choose which one that you opened? Yes. Yeah, you got to pick. But generally, you know, because my dad couldn't keep a secret. <laughs> no, absolutely horrendous at keeping a secret. Mm, what about you, Helena? Well, for my family, I suppose we're, we're up and down the country. So um, my granny lives in Liverpool. Um, my other half of grandparents are um, in Cardiff. And then um, I've got aunties and uncles the stretch of the country. So from a point of view of getting the whole family together, it doesn't happen that often with all of us. At the moment, me and my other half, Nick, we alternate who we spend Christmas Day with. And then we do similar to mm. Marilyn. We get two Christmas Days. So this Christmas is my first Christmas hosting myself. So mm. my family will come around and we'll have Christmas Day on Christmas Day with the full works. And then Boxing Day will be 
Nick's side of the family and his mum will do Christmas Day, so we get two Christmas Days, which is brilliant. Feel very full by the end of it, but um, <laughs> it is quite a treat. It is lovely that we're able to do that all together. But yeah, we don't have any specific traditions really. We just go with it and look forward yeah. to seeing what you know what nice mm. desserts. Nick's mum always has a great dessert, which pulls out the bag. Yeah. I've got some standards to live up to, I think, this year. <laughs> I think you have as well. We asked some people online to share their Christmas memories. Sheila Taylor talked about having a chocolate orange, a small tin of Cadbury's chocolate fingers to herself, and sharing a Mars bar cut out in thin slices with all the family in the 1950s. Kathleen Wintrip, the Christmas stocking was hanging at the end of her bed, um, she said the joy of a couple of small presents in it, plus some nuts and an apple at the bottom. Sarah, I think you have a particular memory. Yeah, I um, I grew up in Hong Kong and I was always fascinated by monkeys. And then when we came to the UK, it was Dactari and Clarence the Cross-Eyed Lion and Tarzan. So you had monkeys all over the place, actual chimpanzees. And I... I was forever bugging my mum and dad. I didn't want a Pippa doll, because Pippa was the in thing then, in the 70s, give my age away now. I wanted a monkey. Christmas morning, they bought me this monkey, and they'd hung it from my bedroom door. It terrified the life out of me. He had blue trousers on and a blue and white striped top. Do you remember the ones? They, they were quite big, and they had their hands, which were curled over. Oh, I'd hate that. I can't remember that. <laughs> After the initial shock, that monkey never left my side. Oh. So, although it absolutely terrified me, that was the main Christmas that I can remember because of what happened. It, it, it was That monkey never left my side. Did you give him a name? Yeah, I think it was just monkey. I was very good like that because I had a cat called Cat. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it, That's original. It, so, monkey was monkey. Fair enough. What was it like growing up in Hong Kong for Christmas? Did they have any particular traditions over there? No, my mum and dad were out a lot because it was very social over there. So we had an armour that, that used to come in and I can remember every, every time mum and dad went out, she'd get us up and she'd make us the most fantastic Chinese food. Because mm. I'd never used a knife and fork until I came to the UK. Wow. Never seen a piece of beef, you know, mm. and meat and two veg. Because, in fact, when we came back, uh, a friend of my dad's married a Chinese woman, and my mother used to have to send me down there to eat because I wouldn't eat European food. Wow. Didn't want it, didn't like it. Did you eat cho turkey with chopsticks? I don't remember ever having turkey until we came to the UK. Mm. I don't think it was widely celebrated over there at mm. all. I, I just don't remember. I think turkeys have come in from the States, haven't yeah. they? Mm. And, and I remember one Christmas in the 70s when we had a surfeit of turkeys because my mother had ordered one. My father had been given two by parishioners <laughs> and we won one in a raffle as well. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> it was just as well. We had a very large chest freezer mm. uh, and we were eating turkey. Till well Forever. past its, mm. its best before date, I think. Mm. What, what did we have before turkey then? Is goose. 
we, we had, had cake ponds. We had chicken. Yeah, yeah you said chicken. you had chicken, yeah. didn't you, Marilyn? Yeah. yeah. So I suppose when you were saying about the excess of turkey that you had, um, what would be your favourite leftover turkey recipe? What's your go-to? Mm. I think I, I like doing leftover turkey in a mushroom sauce mm. with uh, slices of bread on Sounds delicious. It does, doesn't it? it? Yeah. <laughs> I do it with triangles of slightly stale bread brushed with butter on the top, and that crisps up in the oven as Ooh. it eats through. It's very Ooh, lovely, that. isn't it? it is. Nick's dad makes a um, very good turkey curry. Oh, that's it? the one thing that yeah. you know he's going to do every year, and we know that a few days later He'll that'll be, be turkey uh, curry. Yeah, yeah, turkey curry. It's lovely. Bubble and squeak. Got to be bubble and squeak and brown sauce. Oh, I love bubble and squeak. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Properly done on the hob, yeah. where it's all crispy, crispy on the other side. Yes. Mm. I think, though, that when you've, um, if you've been out for lunch, apart from Christmas Day and Boxing Day, you've, if you've been out, say, for a guild lunch or a federation lunch, by the time Christmas has come and gone, you're fed up of turkey. Yeah, altogether. you're all turkeyed out. You really, are, aren't yeah, you? definitely. Yeah. yeah, I do look forward to like a good salad or something <laughs> a few days later to sort of like, you know, kind of end up digesting everything <laughs> properly and know that you've had, even though you have vegetables and there are lots of nice vegetables at Christmas, they're, they're, they they us- I usually have, know that they're cooked in loads of butter and it's nice to have something a bit lighter later on. I get craving for carrot and coriander soup, so I always make sure <laughs> that I've got Plenty of carrots in, and you can use the turkey stock as well. Mm, that's to, true. Uh, yeah. yeah, make use of all parts of the of the bird. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Helen, you spent some time away at Christmas as well. I did. Yes. Yeah. Some of my fondest memories of a child are going to a little place called Muren in Switzerland. So um, we used to go nearly every year, probably until I was about fifteen or sixteen. Learned to ski there. I don't remember the ski lessons. I was that little. I look back at the photographs and I have no recollection of learning to ski. Um, but we used to go and we used to stay. It's well up on the mountainside and it's pedestrianised. So you, know, you land on the aeroplane, you then get all the trains. It's three trains. And then it used to be this little funicular that went right up the side. And um, by the time we'd landed and we'd done all the trains through Interlark and then we'd gone through Bern and this little place called Egg, which as children we used to find it hilarious that we'd travelled to somewhere called Egg. They'd get onto this little funicular and the driver would turn the lights off on the funicular and as you went up, you know, sideways, the seats were facing outwards so you were Mm. looking out over the view um, and you just see all the twinkly little lights everywhere, um, you know, the the smoke coming out of chimneys and things. And we were only talking about it just um, at the weekend on Saturday, uh, talking to my mum and dad about how we just miss having that, that... family gathering almost every you know every year as children um but yeah some of the nicest memories we have really and unfortunately that funicular is now a cable car so I don't know if it's quite the same but it's nice to have remembered it mm. how it was for such a long time yeah we really enjoyed that Marilyn just now you touched upon guild Christmas meals um my guild always has a Christmas party and this year rather than being a take a dish event the committee have decided to cater what sort of christmas celebrations have you been involved with with your guild well normally we go to a local hotel and have a have a meal together we're going on the 5th of december this year the lady in our guild sandra who's our treasurer she collects all the all the money in and then diana she'll she'll book the meal i think it's a, it might be a two course but we, you do get a a cracker 
you know, so you can pull the crackers, put your hat on, your daft hat on, and get your little bit of plastic out of the cracker, your spinning top and your little magnifying glass. But uh, we, we, we do that from our guild. We don't ever cater for ourselves for either Christmas or, you know, like a, a summer buffet. We don't, we, we get caterers in. It's, it's easier, but yeah. on the other hand, I think it's more fun to cater for mm. yourselves, really. We, we have a Japanese member of my guild, and she introduced us to uh, marinated Brussels sprouts as, as a salad dish for Christmas. It was delicious. But it's, I can see your face. If you, if you can see her face, you'd know what uh, she was thinking. I love Brussels sprouts, but this was a very tasty new way of having them. Yeah. I love Brussels sprouts as well. I just don't fancy the idea of uh, it being in vinegar or... Maybe she'd share a recipe so we can all see what it's oh, like. Maybe, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> have to get that one from her. Yeah, they yes. wouldn't be expecting that on Christmas Day. <laughs> no. I'll tell you what's more popular now as well. Uh, cooked red cabbage oh, as I a dish. It is, but it takes mm. a long time to cook. Mm. I do that yeah. with bacon, red cabbage and, and bacon. bacon. Yeah, delicious. I I think uh, the Marks and Spencers variety is well worth investing mm. in. Yeah. Mm. Saves a lot of time. Other supermarkets <laughs> have their own <laughs> versions as well. You were just saying, Marilyn, about um, Christmas crackers and. Um, Recently in the news, there's been obviously a lot about plastic and how we all deal with plastic waste and investing in things that are plastic and where mm. does it go. Um, and crackers have been highlighted. Obviously, they're a tradition that we all love, but is there anything that you sort of maybe a bit more are we mindful about this Christmas in terms of where we buy from, how it gets delivered? Have you thought about how, how you might do your shopping differently this year? Well, as I've said previously, I'm not buying any crackers this year, but if I did... My family in Australia, who are absolutely mad keen on recycling and not using cling film and things like that, they would never accept, you know, the, the little gifts in crackers. What I tend to do, actually, is have table presents, so the silly hats and glasses and things like that, uh, wrap the present up for everyone, and then they have to wear what it, what it is. Well, I always recycle them because they, when they come to us on Boxing Day, they never take the things away with them. So I've got a reindeer's head for, a, for my husband. He always wears that. I've got some hats, but I've I got a tie with a little uh, gadget in it that played music <laughs> for my son. Anyway, I've had to throw it, throw it away because the battery's, gone in, the battery's gone in the tile. Aww. So I've had to throw that away this year, but I have got some uh, sparkly glasses and things like that. So I might take them, I might just take them and then bring them back with me when uh, I come back. Yeah. Your own little bit of Christmas, yeah, take it with yeah. you. I, like I noticed in Oxfam they're selling mini Christmas crackers and they have a hat and they have a motto. Right, yeah. and they have the snap for pulling, but they don't have a gift in. Oh, so good you could yeah. either slip your own small mm, gift in, yeah. or manage without. Mm, Saves yeah. all the battles, doesn't yeah. it? Mm. Why Dad's got sewing kit when he can't <laughs> do anything with it? <laughs> well, I suppose it's what you were saying, Marilyn. They always get left anyway, don't they? Oh, well, they do. Nobody takes them. But at least yeah. we can read the mottos out, can't we? That's right. There are, yeah. There's always silly jokes in. And have yeah. you ever made? crackers my family have we we have our own so we don't have on you know the mm. cardboard paper ones we have ones that are uh, their material mm. and 
they've got our names on and we've had them for as long as I can remember. Um, me, mum and dad and my brother Andrew. Um, so unfortunately my half Nick and my brother's half Lizzie, they don't, they don't have their own. But, um, you have to make them one. Well, yes, and we just do the pretend bang and mum puts in something really nice. So it's always nice. They're always on the table, you know, and they, they look really pretty and they've lasted the length of time. And they're quite big, so you can fit, you know, you can fit a little hairbrush and all sorts in. So, Mum, we just never know what's going to be in them, which is really nice. I was down visiting Sussex Federation recently, and they had a competition where each guild was asked to lay a table for four guests for Christmas lunch. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very interesting seeing the different skill and different crafts that we used and people wrapping up cutlery and... And all sorts of things, mm. but it was the whole effect in the room where the judging was done was really, really effective. Mm. And people were using the best silver, I don't know where they got it from, uh, the best crystal, and lots of reds, whites, and greens. And of course, red, white, and green are TG colours mm. as well, aren't very they? Very on so brand. <laughs> it's, yes. It was very, very interesting to see. Trouble is, when you visit a federation, you quite often get asked to judge the tables. Um, and that's really difficult. Mm, they're probably all really pretty and special in their own way as well, the setup that everybody has, you know. Yeah, I'm very OCD over the, t the table. That, that's the main thing that you see. You've got your charger plates, you've got your white wine glass, you've got your red wine glass, you've got your champagne glass. Have you got extra room this year, Sarah? I think we'll all come round. <laughs> Well, my brother's got a pub, <laughs> and what he does, he's done it ever since he's been in Timber. Those people that drink in the pub that are single, they get an invite to Christmas dinner. Oh. You know, so they're not on their own. Mm. The last time I was there, I think it was about nine years ago, and I think there, there, there was about 30 of us. So the pub closes at two. Generally, I've been cooking upstairs all night because it's, it's a big fisherman's place. Christmas Eve, when the lads come back in from the sea, they're throwing crabs at you, lobster, and it's like, go and put those in a pot upstairs. Mm. You know, it, it, it's so friendly. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. And then the pub closes at two, uh, and it's called the New Key. It's on the back beach. The pub is, like, ten foot away from the sea. Oh, amazing. And this oh, is in Tamworth. In Tamworth, I yeah. Think I, I think I'm going to go there next year. It sounds yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it does. yeah, you don't need Australia, no, do you, Marilyn? No, no. <laughs> but it's, it's such a lovely little place, and it's quaint. It's oh. your quintessential seaside town, mm. which... I know in our area, I think it's the Rotary Group, have a Christmas lunch for those that wouldn't otherwise have any company mm. on Christmas Day. They mm. do a fantastic job with a large marquee in Battersea Park mm. and volunteers to mm. give people lifts to the lunch and things. Mm. Now, because of my background, I've always been tied up on Christmas Day, but I'd really love to get involved with, with helping at one of these projects. Mm. And I know um, in London, uh, crisis... I think they do it in other towns as well, but they have a very big centre mm. for the homeless, mm -hmm. particularly. But it's it's not just for the homeless who are lonely at Christmas. No. Um, I know, Helena, you've been involved in uh, contact. Yeah, I volunteer family. for Contact the Elderly. So it's a charity for isolated and elderly people over 75, so 
they run a monthly tea party and as it happens they they do put the petition out you know to see who can rally round and see who can take in and people do you know and unfortunately a similar similar situation to you penny you know because we're tied up with christmas and we travel for christmas um a lot of the time we're not at home but you know it's one of those things that if you have an extra seat at your table mm. to take someone in and I know most of those people that I volunteer with but um, it, it would be nice to be able to get mm. involved I know the local church hall is opening up in the village that I live in this year and a charity whose name I cannot remember are um, serving a full Christmas dinner at an absolutely no cost to those that want to be able to go along that would otherwise be on their own. Nando's are opening their doors Christmas Day for the homeless it's all over social media. That's brilliant, the, isn't I, it? I tell you what, this is what's so great about social media because I was also reading there was a local pub and I think that's in your neck of the woods, Penny, and they're closing at 2 o'clock, reopening at 3 for anybody that's on their own and they are even supplying the transport. See, so nobody yeah. has to be on their own. Mm. And this is why social media is absolutely fantastic mm. because you put one sentence down... And anywhere between one and 50,000 people will read it. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing I think we touched on about the transport, is it's not just people being able to go to these places and, you know, enjoy that. It's them actually getting there in the yes, first place, yeah. which, you know, isolated people, the reason that they're isolated, unfortunately, you know, is either their family have passed away around them and they've ended up staying to live there, but they don't have that network around them. So it's fantastic that these charities are able to, able to provide it and people give their time up not just on Christmas Day, it's all the preparation that goes into it beforehand, isn't it, as well? I know TG is all about making friends, um, and I've been encouraging guilds to, whenever they have an event, to bring along friends and family. I'm going to, I think, at least three afternoon teas with guilds at the moment, and I have to say, Afternoon tea is one of my favourite meals. <laughs> At Christmas, they really do you proud. But I, I'm quite happy to sacrifice the, the cream and jam scones and have a different menu. I'm, I like my mince pies and my oh, Christmas yeah. cake. But I'm not very keen on the cake part of Christmas cake. I love the marzipan and the icing. So when I was a child, I, my mother used to make square cakes and I always had the corner. Um, is Christmas tea something that appeals to you? Before, before I started working for, for TG, I'd never really had a sweet tooth. But the amount of cakes and biscuits that are at every guild meeting, you, you can't help but, you know, have a nibble. I've mm. never eaten so many much mm. sweet stuff in my life. These women love their cake. It's fantastic. But sharing food is a way of sharing love, I think, and sharing friendship. And I know that many guilds and federations, their most successful events hinge around food. Mm. Um, I'm not knocking that. Um, no. I, I even know of one guild which does a cordon bleu sort of dinner. And I know different people contribute a course, and it's been going for some time. But I think that must be quite a unique thing to do, to, to go to that extent. Mm. But certainly the cakes, and we had fun with, the, with our cake oh, competition, we did. didn't we? Did. we? Yeah, we did. We, the cakes were delicious. The winner's cake, it was Karen Moore mm. 
from Sedgley Evening Guild and it was absolutely delicious. It did look amazing. It did, it did. And the other ones were lovely. I was there that day. I you didn't were even, there? Yeah, I didn't even get a little bit. By the time I'd gone to get a piece, it had all gone. <laughs> <laughs> Is it set up like a bake-off event then? How, do, how does the competition work? Well, TG National Competition... And it was, it was in the magazine. The idea was that people who were in guilds have a, a bit of a, a cake-off, as we call it, not a bake-off, a cake-off, in their guild. And then the winner of that would then go to a federation uh, heat as well. And then the winner of the federation heat would come to the um, chairman's at home. And that's what happened. Quite a successful competition. Is that something you think you'll run again next year, or is it...? Uh... No, I don't think so for next year. Um, it might be worth investigating at some point in the future. Mm. But if we do things like that too often, they get a bit tedious. I yes, think. yes. Mix it up a bit. Um, yeah. Did you know we're having a photographic competition mm. this year? If anybody's listening and is interested, the full details are on the website, which is www.the-tg.com. And entries have to be in by the end of February, I believe. We're going to be showing the, all of the pictures, I hope, at the National AGM, which is going to be in Scarborough next year. And talking of Scarborough, I was up there last week. It's not the best time to visit Scarborough. It's the middle of November. <laughs> and with the flooding, the trains were delayed somewhat. So Kelly and I spent the best part of nine or ten hours travelling uh, for two to three hours there visiting the venue. But you can see that it's going to be absolutely spectacular in the summer. The sea was quite dramatic this time, but on a lovely summer's day, which I'm sure we're going to have, it will be fabulous. Mm. Well, the, the spa in Scarborough is particularly lovely, I think, anyway. It's right on the seafront. Yeah, it is, it's in a fantastic position. It is. It and is. the funicular railway that goes up the side of it, we've requested, and it's been accepted, that they open at 9 o'clock instead of 9.30 for people to uh, get down. It's actually going to be open, we hope, from 7.45. Really? Yeah. Oh, that big Because we know that some people are champing at the door when they... The doors open at yes. 8, yes. so um, yeah. that, that will be good. The information will be going about the AGM will be going to guilds very soon. Unfortunately, our AGM is one of our few member-only events. We've got some Christmas carol services coming up. We're doing three this year. The first will be before this podcast is released in Liverpool. Then we move on to Chelmsford, which is full to bursting point, I'm told, and then Exeter on the 17th of December. Now, Exeter is not sold out yet, and we're welcoming non-members as well as members to that. So if you'd like to come along to that service, have a look at our website, and you can get an order of service uh, as a non-member for £8. And Sarah will be basing herself at Exeter. Yes, in the... I'll, 
I will be at the uh, cathedral uh, if anybody wants to ask any questions about joining TG. Also, I'm sending out some posters. They'll be all around the St Thomas area of Exeter. Uh, but if you need any more information, pop into the Lucmo at St Thomas and they'll give you the details as well. That sounds great. But our carol services are always fun. We sing our hearts out and we really get the season off to a, a great start. Yes, we did used to go carol singing door to door. These days they don't seem to do that. No. But we used to. We used to go around the neighbourhood, me and my brother uh, and our friends that lived on our, our road. We used to go, to, go around. Uh, collecting a bit. I don't really know what we we did the mo with the money we got. <laughs> sweet shop. <laughs> probably. Probably a sweet shop across the road from where we lived. But uh, we did used to. But even Halloween, they did, nobody came to our house either. No, we didn't have any. I was prepared yes, and now yes. I've just got this huge tub of sweets that we seem to be working our way through. Yeah. Oh. Which is not great in the run-up to Christmas with all no. the lovely Christmas food we'll yeah, be but eating talk, as well. Talking about having a, a tin of sweets though, when we were young, there were only so, seemed to be two sorts of tins of sweets. And my mother always bought us a tin of Quality Street, which seemed enormous in those days. And then what she'd do, she'd tip them out, and then we could just have a couple of them. We could choose which we had. Which it, was yellow, it was a yellow tin then, wasn't it? No, purple. It was a purple tin. Has it always tin. been purple? Yes, yeah, yeah. Roses is the other big one. Yes, and that's it always is. been blue with yeah. the rose on the outside. Yeah, but we, that's we were what always did. a rose family. Oh, were you? Yeah, because they all had chocolate. Every sweet was chocolate. <laughs> Whereas with the Quality Street, the there was always was the round the toffee, toffee pennies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I used to love them, the toffee pennies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my favourite, which still is, is the purple one with the Brazil nut in. Oh, yeah. or the hazelnut, whatever mm. it is, but that they were always my favourite. Yeah. And uh, as a child, I had uh, I had braces for a for a long time, talking years of braces, so I could never enjoy the you know all the tins of sweets and the chocolates because I had all this contraption going on and all these elastics and things, and I could just never I was never able to enjoy them. So now I think I make up for it now in chocolate consumption from when I was not able to have them as a child. Let me tell you a funny story about chocolate. My my mum was from Islington and she married my dad and they travelled all over the world because of him being in the army. I spent a lot of time in Hong Kong at, so we didn't have sweets. The only sweets I had was like a licorice root mm -hmm. which was like a bark of a tree because they just didn't do sweets over there. And I can remember the one Christmas I, I wasn't fond on chocolate, it was too sweet so my mum bought me a box of black magic because if I didn't like milk chocolate I'm gonna like dark chocolate. <laughs> Where's the sense in that? <laughs> I just don't it's quite get it. a taste difference, isn't it? Do they still make black magic? Yes. They do. Yeah. Yeah. My grandma always bought me and my brother uh, a Terry's chocolate orange. Oh, my <gasps> favourite. I have oh. to. I just have to buy one myself now. But mm. it is my favourite, oh, definitely. Yeah. Do you have a favourite, Penny? I can't eat my favourites these days because I love chocolate caramels. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I have not looked after my teeth so I have to be very ginger with what I eat these days. So what about you Sarah? Have you 
You've got a favourite one now? Um, mint or orange. Oh. But I, I did at one stage go through a phase of liking the walnut whip, but you had to have the real walnut on the top. And then you, you stick your tongue in the hole and lick out all the foam, you know, all that whippy mm-hmm. stuff inside. Yeah. Have any of you managed to get hold of the elusive orange twirl that has been going <laughs> yeah. around? Oh, I've been trying to get my hands on them. My colleagues have been trying to get their hands on them and we've just not been able to get these limited edition, but they're so limited edition that nobody seems to be able to find them. <laughs> I do know that last year in John Lewis, they actually offered a Quality Street station where you could put together a tin of Quality Street that just had the flavours that you liked oh. in. So you could have had... All my purple. All your yeah. purple. Yeah. Tin of purple. Yeah. I remember years ago, the first time I flew to America, uh, flying, flying with my friend, um, and they had a machine in the airport that was similar, but it was for the celebrations boxes. So these big tubes were all full of all the sweets, and then you could fill a tub of all your favourites from the celebration boxes and I just really fond memory of that and we sat on the plane you know watching a film tucking into our favourite favourite celebration it's great <laughs> how are you going to do that with a bag of revels <laughs> everything's covered in chocolate isn't it oh, yeah. and you've got to try and you've got to try and find that awful coffee one. Oh, I like, I like coffee I like my coffee my mum likes coffee yeah I do I like them all actually I just like <laughs> the toffee ones I, I think we're we're getting too far into sweets here. <laughs> it's I'm sure our listeners will want to hear about something different. <laughs> One of the delights I found with with having a little bit more money when the children have left home is being able to support charities at Christmas. And I, I enjoy being able to support one or two that I wouldn't do at the rest of the year. But also we get involved with with making things to sell or to, to provide to other people. Mm-hmm. Now, I know women's refugees are always looking for toiletries, uh, not just at Christmas. So anybody who stays in a hotel regularly, if they haven't switched to just having a big bottle of soap and what have you, uh, which is, I have to say, quite a green thing to do, but if they still offer the small toiletries, why not? Take one of the sets offered to you and use it to donate to a woman refuge near you. Or there are many other charities that like a little bit of extra help. I know our local branch of the Halifax is looking for new pyjamas this year for children. And they say any, any age from 0 to 18. I can't quite imagine trying to buy pyjamas for an 18-year-old and then being pleased with what I came up with. (laughs) Um, But it sounds like a nice idea. I don't know whether this is part of a national thing Halifax are doing. There are lots of of other things. Marie Curie are selling mugs for Christmas. A lot of charities have have gifts in their ranges, especially for Christmas. There are so many charity shops on our high streets these days and they're not always just selling pre-loved goods. It's well worth popping into your favourite charity shop and, and thinking about your Christmas shopping in there. And the other thing that I've noticed a big campaign in London 
is to encourage people to visit small and independent shops in their Christmas mm -hmm. shopping. Mm -hmm. If we want our high streets to stay alive, we really have to support the small shop. It's worth visiting somebody small and local mm -hmm. and supporting them. You never know what you're going to find either in some of the smaller smaller stores. It's things that, you know, gifts and lovely the way in which they can you know present things and wrap things as well there's some lovely things that um, small independent businesses do and I think there is also an element when you're buying from a smaller business that you're buying from either that person that's actually in the shop or you know it might just be two of them that own the business and you're also supporting them directly aren't you mm -hmm. um you know and they 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 will reap the benefits of uh, the purchases more so than mm -hmm. the, the bigger stores I was uh, discussing earlier um, with somebody about how I'd purchased my um, Christmas cards from a charity, a charity that um, su supported my nan that sadly passed away a few weeks ago. And it was um, the City Hospice in Cardiff, and um, obviously being in Wales, so I purchased them on their online store. Lovely picture of dogs on the front, just my cup of tea as a Christmas card, and they arrived in the post in Welsh. So now I have Welsh <laughs> Christmas cards. <laughs> That's so, you know, great. it's a nod to Nan that I'm <laughs> going to be sending yes, Welsh Christmas yes. cards out, so I think I'm going to have to get my dad to translate it so I can <laughs> I can actually write in <laughs> what it says inside, but I just didn't even think, no writing on the front. Um, but that's a nice way as well, purchasing Christmas cards that support a charity. Obviously, it's always a percentage that goes to them, but most of most high street shops now and supermarkets will sell charity cards yes, as well yeah, yeah. Um, supporting um, all the Rother different ones Rotherham Hospice they do a lovely selection of charity cards mm -hmm. and I always buy um, one of their calendars as well mm -hmm. because us trustees or we trustees because we're going all over the country and filling our calendars up you know this one it's got a really large area that you can write in so that I do have a calendar on my phone, which I use, but I do like one of the hospice calendars as well, so I can put it on the back of the pantry door. My husband knows where I am, <laughs> and when he's away, I know where he is, so that's brilliant. Yeah, it's a yeah. nice way to support them, isn't yes, it? And it's it also is. a reminder of them as well, you know, a reminder that that hospice and the work they do yeah, as well. Yeah, um, I mean, they do a great job. And I suppose you can't forget the sort of thing that they do at Christmas as well, you know, it doesn't. the world doesn't stop for Christmas, no, does it? You've got yeah. people who are dealing with these hospices mm. and dealing with things yeah. all year round um, and those people that obviously are giving up their Christmas time with their with their families to look after people as well so mm. a little bit to support them. I know so, several guilds have been having sales of work or taking part in Christmas fairs especially with things that their craft groups have been making. Now TG isn't all about craft groups but if you enjoy craft it's certainly something you can get involved in. But I know one or two of them have raised quite a bit of money for their chosen charities this year. And TG is all about making women's lives better. So any charity that will make women's lives better, either directly or indirectly, is something that we're really happy to support. Mm. We yep. have also been encouraging people to take part in Christmas tree festivals. Oh yes, we've got Sandra from Bakewell on the line to talk about it. Hello Sandra, it's Penny Ryan from TG Hello, here. Hello Penny. Um, I wanted to ask you about your Christmas tree festival. I know you've recently asked for uh, some...
book magnets to use as Christmas tree decorations. Uh, have you taken part in Christmas tree festivals before? Yes, we have. Um, in Bakewell, in the big parish church, there's been a festival there for the last, I think it's about 10 or 11 years now. And as a guild, we started about eight years ago, and we have actually done the Christmas tree festival each year for the last eight years. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you have a different theme every year? Um, we have had a variety of things. The very first year we did it, when we were very green with what we were going to do, all we did was we took photographs that we'd taken during the year. We always take a photograph at our meetings, and we'd taken photographs of meetings and outings of members, and we made them into little hanging decorations for the tree. And we have always used the colours, obviously, of the TG. The TG colours, when we first started it, were those purpley colours. Right. And we used, you know, we got various baubles and trimmings in those colours. But since then, we, we varied from one year to the other. Um, we managed to get, um, through contacts and laser words printed one year, we, we asked members what TG meant to them. And so we had various words hanging from the tree, like friendship and outings and that type of thing. And then when the colours changed, I think we'd done it about three years on the trot after that. We obviously went back to the red and green team. Um, and the first year we had a workshop. In November we tend to have a craft workshop as part of our monthly meetings. And we had a workshop and we all sat there and beavered away and made little red stockings, felt stockings, which we attached TG um, stickers, the little stickers that you provide to, and we used those. Uh, another year we made a little Christmas wreath in the TG colours out of curtain rings, and we used those. And we've, you know, we've mixed and matched. It's always been in the TG colours, and this year we're going to use the bookmarks that you've kindly supplied. And we're going to put those alongside some of the rosettes that the game we've got from head office and put those on with paper chains in the appropriate green and red colours. That sounds marvellous. And of course, you can recycle the rosettes and. Um, yes, the well, we had often. used them. We had them originally for. We did a display in the library. The library in Bakewell has a lovely community board that you can have for a month. And so in October this year, we did a rather nice display on there about the TG. And we got the a lot of the things for that. So we are actually recycling and using those on the Christmas tree as well this year. That's fantastic because you're getting TG's name out there in various different ways and, and showing off at the same time what your guild is up to. Yes, I mean, we, ha we, we did initially because obviously we only started the guild the first year we did it and so we were, you know, hoping to encourage additional membership. We have gained a few members from doing it. People obviously have seen it within a Christmas Tree Festival, because the Christmas Tree Festival in Bakewell is a very large one. They have about 100 trees. So they're all groups and organisations and charities and businesses for the area. So it does get a good attendance. And we've used it as a promotion. But it's also, it just makes it, people become aware that there is a branch of the TG actually within the town.
That's marvellous. Now, would you like to give a name check to the church and um, tell us when the festival is on? Right, this year, it's, it's All Saints Parish Church in Bakewell, and the festival runs between the 12th and the 22nd of December. That's marvellous, because I, we're hoping some of our listeners will be able to come along and have a look. Thank you so much, Sandra. That's You're been very welcome, really and I hope happy. somebody else is encouraged to take part, because it is great fun, and we do enjoy it, and it gives us a, you know, an opportunity to actually make things for the tree, and everybody takes part. So uh, certainly something that I would recommend other girls might give it a try. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you for speaking to me today. Bye. Bye. I was wondering how people feel about receiving second-hand or pre-loved items for Christmas or other ways of going green at Christmas. Yeah. What do you think, Sarah? I've got a story for you. That Beryl Hales always gets me into trouble. We were at a meeting last week in um, Nottingham. I was getting Nottingham and Northampton mixed up. Uh, so we had this meeting, went exceptionally well, and then we went for a coffee. But Beryl took me into this coffee shop, which is also an antique shop. My husband, oh, he's an idiot at times, but there we go. He loves all this sort of native uh, American artwork. You, you know, the, mm -hmm. the skulls that have yeah. been um, They've got intricate designs on them. And I've, I've got in this huge picture of this skull, which was made into like a dream catcher, but it was like a buffalo skull. Okay. I found one <laughs> in this antique shop. It was, it was a eureka moment. And Beryl said to me, how are you going to get that on the tram? Because it's got these great big horns, but all the skull had been all, all designed out, but it matched this picture. It was kismet, it was meant to be. Oh but it matched this picture. So I just hope he doesn't listen to this before Christmas Day because what's in the box is a skull. Brilliant. <laughs> Please take a picture of his That's reaction. <laughs> That's definitely... Oh, is it a real skull, though? No, I think it's made out of... I don't know. Really? I, think it, I didn't look at it that closely. I just thought, oh, no, that's a match. I've got to have it. Uh, I think it's made out of resin, but, but it's about it's about two foot long. And then you've got these horns. horns. <laughs> I bet that was a picture oh. on the tram with that travelling home. on the tram with it. <laughs> I, I love this job because I go all over the place and sometimes I'm two or three hours early. So I get to mooch around mm. the, the local shops. And it was ever so good because August I was in Totnes and I was handing out leaflets and I thought, right, this isn't working. I'm going in all the shops. Got kicked out of a few. But the few that were, you know, independent sellers and buying stuff which was ethically sourced, I'd bought this um, big giraffe, wooden giraffe, because my mate loves them. I thought, that will do her for Christmas, because I shop all year for Christmas. Mm. If I see something, I'll get it. But when I got home, found out it was my friend's 25th wedding anniversary. Completely forgot about it, but I'd got this wrapped giraffe in the car. Hey, presto. <laughs> instant present. Brilliant. So I've that was second hand, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh. I um, 
I've had some interesting gifts, shall we say, and um, my nan, bless her heart, loved a charity shop, loved a craft fair, loved an antique fair. Her, her two closest friends are antique dealers, so you, you can imagine the sort of things that she used to come home with. And um, my favourite one of them all, which she came, you know, Christmas, she was really happy that she bought this. And I opened it up, I thought, what the heck is it? It was sort of like A4 size piece of paper, but bulky, and it was blue and it was squishy. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what this is. So she went, come on, unwrap it, unwrap it, take it out. So take it all out. It's all this plasticky material. What the heck is this? It was a horse coat. I'm allergic <laughs> to horses. I've, I don't... <laughs> if I go near them, I'm ending up, you know, it's, it's a packet of Pyroton. So, yeah, I uh, that that was the funniest one I've ever received. And it's never, obviously, never been used, but um, it does make me chuckle after that. So. <laughs> Don't, don't you think, though, that the best part is actually giving gifts? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And seeing the reaction of yes. somebody. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Spending time thinking what to get and... And, and wrapping them. Yeah, I suppose wrapping them. When it comes to wrapping, my, uh, my granny is always one to sit there and very carefully unwrap it because she likes to reuse it. So our gift mm. bags get all, you know, folded back up nicely and she'll really carefully take the tape off. So every year we know we'll get a gift that's wrapped from last year but that's her little way of mm. recycling it reusing it and because it only goes you know not everybody does recycle it and not all of it is recyclable no. anyway if it's got glitter and foil my daughter's mother outlaw um, <laughs> always wraps presents in brown paper mm -hmm. and uh, brown paper is recyclable yeah. much more than a lot of this glittery stuff you get, yeah. which always used to annoy my mother, my mother-in-law, because she didn't like the glitter on the carpet. Mm. See, I put everything in bags, and Do I you? keep the bags. Mm. I because I just think they look so pretty. Yeah, yeah. and they're you expensive know. as well. When you've bought all of them, it's good to mm. it's good to use them again, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but just a bit of tissue paper over the top of the present, mm. seal it with a little bit of sellotape. I see, it's done, yeah. and it looks lovely. It does look it nice, does, yeah. If you it? saw my wrapping skills, you'd know why I do <laughs> But And then you keep them for next year mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and the year after, all sorts yeah. of different shapes and sizes, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I took, uh, two years ago when we went to Australia after Christmas, I took, I did take some bags over to, uh, to put the presents in, and my daughter-in-law's kept them. Mm. So, That's you know, a bit of idea, recycling there well, as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Useful. They are handy. I'm now talking to Joanne Egan, who manages the TG shop online. Jo, have we got some special offers going for Christmas? Yes, we have. So, with Christmas fast approaching, there's less than a month for you to order the TG merchandise. To guarantee Christmas delivery, all orders need to be received by Friday the 13th of December. So all of the items I'm about to mention can be ordered through the online shop, where postage is automatically cal calculated, or by post with a cheque, where you will need to phone TGHQ for cost of postage and final total. What items um, did we produce for the 90th anniversary and are they on sale? Yes they are. So we've got the scarf, tea towel and 90th anniversary badge. Both the scarf and tea towel were designed by members and launched at the AGM this year. 
The scarf is lightweight and could be used as a finishing touch to any outfit. And they are now priced at £9.50 each, reduced from 12 The tea towel has a floral design and as well as their intended use, can be made into aprons or tote bags. We're selling these at £3 each. And speaking of the AGM, if you miss this year's or want to relive the memories, we have an edited highlights DVD for just £2.50 plus postage and packaging. That sounds great, Joe. Oh, you were talking about the 90-year badge, Joe. Yes, so this has been a popular seller throughout the year and is a great way to commemorate the anniversary. These are £3 each and could be used to secure the TG scarf. A good excuse to buy both. We also have um, the 2020 diary, which is aqua blue and costs £3. Uh, we also have the TG pens, which are stylish and lovely to write with. These use black ink, come in your choice of red or green and cost £1 each. Do, do we have any of those useful ticket holders? Yes, so we have the travel pass holders, which make for a safe and durable place to store your bus pass, rail cards and most bus or train tickets. These are £1.50 each. We also have the reusable shopper bag, which costs £2 and folds down to fit into most handbags. Finally, we have our rosette, priced at £1.50. These can be given as a gift in their own right, but can also be used as an eco-friendly decoration for presents, gift bags or wreaths. They attach with safety pins so they can easily be removed and reused. Thank you, Joe. That sounds as though we've got quite a few ideas there for the, uh, the Christmas present list. We've run out of time for today. I hope you've enjoyed our Talking Townswomen's podcast. If you're interested in finding out more about TG, Townswomen's Guild, about becoming a member, visit www.the-tg.com. Remember to click subscribe and like on your podcast app so you get a copy of the new podcast as they are released. We hope to be doing this at least once a month. You can visit our brand new Facebook page, Talking Townswomen Podcast, for direct links to our website. And to contribute, we'd love to hear your views. So from all of us here at TGHQ today, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how you do it.